But yeah, so uh, with us today uh, is Justin Brierly. Justin's the host of Unbelievable, a tremendous actual gift uh, to, to the kingdom, found on YouTube and pretty much every podcast app you could find, as well as that Ask N.T. Wright Anything, uh, where he does just that. Uh, he asks N.T. Wright, uh, world famous and prolific New Testament scholar, uh, your questions and my questions alike, and probably sometimes, as I would imagine, his own questions. Um, and uh, here, especially to talk about a, a special series uh, within the unbelievable brand, The Big Conversation, uh, which uh, pits is probably not the right word, but pits uh, two thinkers typically found on the opposite sides of some issue uh, to engage in what is almost always uh, respectful, um, encouraging, um, but yet difficult conversations surrounding the quote unquote big conversation. And so honored to have uh, on this episode, Justin Brierly. Justin, uh, this is the second time you and I have been privileged to talk. Mm. And, and as usual, um, it's, it's an honor. So thanks for making some time for this. Oh, well, thank you for having me back on, Jeremy. It's, it's, it's a great pleasure to be back with you and, and to talk about, yeah, the big conversation and, and all things unbelievable as well. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, I would imagine if I was in your spot, sometimes because I get to talk to people like you, um, I've, I've had the privilege to talk to many people who I'm sure you consider friends. Um, and uh, you, it, every once in a while, I find myself just in awe that I'm getting to talk to a Justin Brierly or to, you know, a Tim Mackey or somebody like that. And, mm. um, and, and I'm sure sometimes in this last case, this episode of the big conversation that just came out where you're, you're on zoom, um, or you're, 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 you're speaking online with Francis Collins, who, uh, used to run the national Institute of health here in the United States, uh, helped map the human genome now serves as a presidential advisor on scientific issues. And opposed to him is Richard Dawkins, at one point or another, should have been considered the most famous atheist in the world, uh, who himself is a, is a respected scientist. I'm sure sometimes you just feel like, how, how did I get here? <laughs> I, I totally felt like that. I mean, I mean, I, I was like, I couldn't believe it had happened, really, mm -hmm. because, the, the, you know, firstly, I'd, I'd had Dawkins on kind of in a sort of ish way in the yeah. past, but I never had him on really for a substantive discussion on God and science, which is really, if you're going to have Dawkins yeah. on, that's what you want to have him on about. And, and to be, to have the opportunity to bring him on with, you know, probably one of the world's re most renowned Christian scientists yeah. was, was just an absolute treat. So uh, I I'm very fortunate because, um, you know, over the years, unbelievable has, built uh, a rapport and uh, a reputation yep. um, so that the great thing is that by and large both Christians and atheists are quite warm and friendly to to it um, so I don't I, I think if Richard Dawkins had sort of wanted to check out well is this you know what am I walking into here my hope is that if he'd asked some of his friends who have actually been on unbelievable they would have said actually I think he'll treat you fairly and yeah. you know and 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 likewise, um, Francis Collins, um, who I have have um, interviewed once or twice in the past, again, very warm to to the concept of the show and yeah. to the, the ethos of bringing people together in this way. And as it happens, I think I, I just asked Richard for the right person. Probably I can't in really think of almost anyone else in the Christian world that he would have said yes no. to at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason he said yes is because, as he said to me when he when he accepted it on email, he said, well, Francis Collins is someone I have a great deal of respect for. And that's for a few reasons, actually. Firstly, 
he is obviously just an incredibly good scientist. Um, you know, there's a whole bonus clip that we've kind of kept for subscribers yeah. where they just have a great conversation on uh, genetics. It went over my head, but they, they were having a great time. Yeah. And um, but secondly, I think he has a lot of respect for Francis Collins because they had a mutual friend in Christopher Hitchens. And if yeah. you listen to the show, you'll, yeah. you'll hear them talk about that. Um, Christopher Hitchens, of course, one of the new atheists, very close to, to Dawkins. But um, Hitchens was one of those people who really reached across the divide often uh, in a way that few other of the new atheists have to establish friendships with people who were quite different to him. Francis Collins was one of those people. And um, they ended up seeing it, quite a lot of each other, especially in you know the final months of Christopher's life when he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. And Francis, because of his, obviously his medical background was able to do some genomic analysis of the cancer, be able to help to you know create the right kind of medicines that actually I, he, he believes gave Christopher Hitchens longer in the end than he than he would have had otherwise and so I think that alone you know for, for Dawkins is enough to say yeah I'm willing to sit down with this man <laughs> because yeah. he he had you you've got to respect someone who has treated a friend like that yeah. um so for me um I I you know it was also I mean God's timing is amazing because Basically, I managed to catch Francis just as he was coming off, um, heading up the National Institutes of Health. Yeah. And just before he got asked to be the national, the advisor to the yeah. president. And I managed to hit this particular window when I asked him. And yeah. he said, Justin, if you'd asked just a little bit later, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this. I would have had to yeah. say no. But anyway, it was, it was what it was. And it was, it was a great conversation in the end. I know from personal experience, when, when I was in the deep throes of... Um, the All Things All People podcast, which is the past iteration of this show, I reached out to uh, Dr. Collins and it was in the midst of the COVID pandemic. I should have known better. And, you know, amazingly, um, I, I, you've, you've, you've likely experienced uh, quite a few no's in, in your own time. And I tell people one of the greatest honors is, is being told no by Francis Collins because um, <laughs> I should frame the email because he basically in, in layman's terms uh, said, I'm too busy trying to save the world. <laughs> uh, you know, he at the time he was National Institute of Health and, and uh, I should have known better than to even ask, but desperately wanted to talk to him. And, um, you know, I, I had mentioned to you, I, I had watched the uh, episode with Dawkins and Collins and actually just watched it right outside the office that I'm in right now. We put it up on the TV at, at the church where I, I pastor and myself and a few other pastors watched it. And we, we couldn't stop commenting mm. on... Um, the respect that Dawkins was showing uh, uh, Francis Collins and, you know, nothing against Richard Dawkins, but he's not mm. famous for showing respect to people. Mm. Um, mm. And, and he actually makes quite a show sometimes of uh, using verbose language to, to demonstrate mm. what mm. he thinks of people. Mm. And he mm. just mm. so often, it seemed like he was somewhat stifled by the fact that he did have a great respect for, yeah. for Collins yeah. as a scientist and as a, and as a man, because as you mentioned, mm. Um, mm. he, the closest I think that they got to emotion in that conversation was uh, mm. the conversation about Christopher Hitchens. I, I did wonder watching you and, and not quite knowing exactly how you feel, but having hosted quite a few conversations myself in, in real life and, digitally mm. i'm sure you are missing the days of having these people in the studio with you yeah absolutely and and obviously um you know covid sort of changed changed the game quite a bit um for us uh and and in the last season where up, up to 
season one and two of the Vic conversation was all studio based. Yeah. Um, and, and that does make a big difference um, to, to the kind of the nature of the conversations you can have. We decided because we were in the midst of COVID when we yeah. started on season three, uh, we would go to the remote filming option. We've, we've stuck with the remote filming partly because there is a convenience to, to be able to bring people yeah. together. We wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to get Dawkins and Collins yeah. in the same room, you know, just because Correct. of schedules and everything else. Um, but um, uh so so and and you you just have to deal with that you know um we, we're in a slightly interesting transition period anyway with our um our own studios um for premier christian radio which is where we would have uh, traditionally filmed the at the video studio and and we're in a process of relocating and so at the moment it kind of makes sense for us to be continuing with the with with the remote recording but i do want to get back to that in person because at the end of the day you can't beat that i had i had a lovely taste of that actually one of our um uh, one of the episodes for the, this current season of the Big Conversation has just been filmed actually in person at our big um, at our unbelievable conference. We, we yeah. kind of finished the conference with a great conversation on consciousness, the brain, and God between Sharon Dirks, who's a Christian neuroscientist, and Ian McGilchrist, who's um, a well-known sort of secular psychiatrist, but who's written these very influential books on the brain, um, the Master and his emissary, and others. Uh, and it was just a real treat to have them both in person on stage and discussing, you know, mm -hmm. without the kind of the natural sort of barriers that uh, a Zoom type call brings. But but having said all that, you know, I'm very grateful for the technology that has allowed us yeah. to bring some of these people together. And and, you know, uh, once you get into a conversation and as long as, you know, the Internet's not too laggy, you, you can usually you can yeah. usually get something pretty good out of it. And yeah. even when you can't have people face to face. Yeah, I yeah, I 100% agree. And you mentioned the Unbelievable Conference. Um, I think I received an email today. I, I do subscribe to the Unbelievable's emails. And so for anybody listening who doesn't or hasn't seen this, um, make sure that you subscribe to Unbelievable's email newsletter. Um, there's routinely amazing articles sent out and links to particular videos and promotions for things like the big conversation. And so uh, that link, we'll make sure to include that link in the description of this episode. Um, make sure to go sign up for it. Um, in, in the midst of this conversation uh, between Collins and Dawkins, which I think is really only just a foretaste of the amazing conversations we'll see with the rest of the big conversation series, um, I noticed something that to me is thematic of, of every, every episode of Unbelievable I've listened to or watched, which is at a certain point, and you always make an effort to, it seems to me at least, to find Christians to represent us well, not only people who are experts in their field, but who are not going to set up straw men, not be braggadocious. And, and Francis Collins, of course, is maybe the best example of that we could possibly find on, on our side of the aisle. But there was this moment where Dawkins kept accusing Collins of making quite a big leap from, let's say, the God of the cosmological argument uh, or, or the God of the fine tuning argument, which Dawkins seemed to be pretty friendly towards, to Jesus Christ as Lord. And, 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 mm -hmm. and, he, and he kept, he kept in a many different ways saying, you know, Francis, that's a big leap. That's a big leap. And Collins at one point said, is it rationally indefensible or does it just make you feel uncomfortable? And I thought that was a tremendous line. Actually, the guys I was watching it with got quite excited at that moment because we felt as if that was the necessary reaction. And, and, mm. and like I said, if there's somebody who can deliver that and still not lose their, their countenance, it's Francis mm. Collins. But mm. you've, you've watched hundreds of these conversations, participated in them, moderated them. Um, do, you, do you feel as if um, 
that that type of fulcrum that Francis gave to, to Dawkins and, and likewise, I'm sure sometimes mm. I, I've seen it go the other way as well. Um, do, do you feel as if most people listening, uh, we'll, we'll just say lay people, um, feel as if they can do that as well? Um, because obviously when we're dealing with a show like Unbelievable, we're dealing with experts, we're dealing with people who have many degrees one, you know, times over. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. sure, and, I, and I've heard people say, you know, I don't feel comfortable to do that. Um, yeah. You know, what, what would you say to the, to the layperson or the person who maybe is a faithful listener of Unbelievable who says, uh, that's, that's really difficult for me to do in a conversation yeah. with my flatmate or coworker? And to be honest, there'll, there'll be plenty of people out there with, with many degrees and academic, you know, awards who also find it difficult, Correct, you know, be, yeah. <laughs> being, a, being a winsome, you know, gracious, uh, you know, good sort of dialogue partner it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Yeah. Uh, and and Francis is one of those, you know, gifted people who seems to have yeah. it all, the academic yes. side, and just this incredibly gracious, winsome sort of attitude and, and so on. Um, I'm sure that is not an accident. I, I'm sure it comes from a very deep well of faith and Christian discipleship and everything else. And, 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 you know, you won't, you know, very often we just see the, the, the shining example of, of someone doing something so very well as he did in that, in that episode, yes. but you often don't see what it took to get him to that point, you know, and all the yes. conversations he had that mm-hmm. maybe didn't go so well Correct. along the way and which he had his learned his lessons from and so on. I know for a fact, you know, in my email correspondence with Francis in the run up to that show that he was nervous you know, he knew that this is, uh, at the end of the day, the one of the, the most, most well-known atheists in the world. He wanted to do a good job. Um, he saw this, obviously, you know, as a Christian, as, as, as a great opportunity to, mm-hmm. to, to be a representative of the faith. He knew he'd be reaching a lot of non-Christians in the process, you know, people who follow Dawkins and everything else. Um, and so he will have prayed about it. I, I know for certain he prayed about it. And, and to me, it's a mark of humility that someone, you know, as decorated as he is, um, would still sort of be nervous and want to pray and want to sort of mm. you know make sure that he's in the right place state of mind to, to have that kind of a conversation with someone like Dawkins um so so for me you know that there's a lot that goes into it it's not just sort of having the right sort of uh you know training or experience or whatever you know it, it genuinely is about um being there and asking God to to be with you in that moment mm. um so so yeah uh, but can can normal lay people do it absolutely they can um uh, i i don't think that the gift of being a good generous hearted christian is Mm -hmm. solely relegated to those who come you know who who are sort of professional you know christians do do evangelism and uh apologetics and so on um and and it's you know you don't have to have all the answers i've always said this that actually i'd much rather have someone on who doesn't necessarily have all the answers but conducts themselves in a really gracious winsome manner than someone who might you know be able to shoot down every argument but does it in a very belligerent or uh ungracious way because i know for a fact you know it's a bit of a cliche but it's so easy to to win the argument and lose the person and and i never feel like you've what have you actually won in the end then well you've you've kind of won a a point scoring competition but you haven't necessarily done anything that's really going to draw that person closer to god um so for me that's you know it's hugely important you know it's, it's exactly what first peter three fifteen says always be ready to give a re- you know an answer to anyone who anyone who asks you about the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect and if you don't do the bit at the end of that verse the bit at the beginning isn't actually going to land um mm-hmm. and and so so for me 
uh, that's that's the most important thing we can cultivate is is an o openness, uh, generosity in the way we engage with people. Um, it's a long game. Uh, that's been my experience with Unbelievable. You know, I've sometimes had skeptics and atheists on, you know, multiple times over the years um, who are everyone's on a journey. What keeps them coming back and having the conversation, even though they weren't convinced the last time or the second time or the third time is because they enjoyed it because they mm -hmm. felt that they were being listened to because they felt like you know there was a genuine kind of openness yeah. and dialogue going on and and for me um that's really important that the, that the show embodies that and i think any christian who simply you know practices what jesus practiced um mm -hmm. can do that uh, it doesn't mean you have to be a walkover it doesn't mean that you know you can't be robust when you're engaging but there's just something about the way you carry yourself that i think um does does come with with maybe with yeah a bit of practice confidence um here's another thing jeremy and what i've often noticed is that some people think that being a confident christian is basically about shouting down the other side and kind of you know winning the argument in that way mm -hmm. in my view that's not what confidence is confidence is actually about being able to hear someone critique your position and not have to jump in and you know shoot down every argument that they're bringing you it's it's about kind of being confident enough to kind of let them have their say and not even necessarily contradict them at every turn um because because that actually for me that bespeaks a kind of an inner confidence more than the person who gets very up in someone's face and, and has to argue yeah. it all out if you know what i mean i think oh, people yeah. can tell when you're you're actually coming from a place of fear rather than a settled kind of confidence in in in, in god so, so for me, that's, that, that's quite an important thing as well. We were, um, some of the work we were doing for All Things All People led us to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, here in the United States, where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is based. And we were there during their large general conference gathering. And what you just said was beautifully demonstrated because we had 13,000 Latter-day Saints walking into this huge conference center and we're there filming and documenting, researching, and on the other side are maybe a hundred street preachers and protesters, um, unfortunately all too common here in the United States, uh, who were holding up signs and screaming, just, I mean, not profanities, but it might as well have been profanities. Mm. Um, and that was the same feeling I got, uh, everything you just said was how confident are these people? Um, because mm. it doesn't seem like they're very confident because, um, they wouldn't have let themselves be critiqued. They wouldn't have lowered their voice so that they might be heard. Um, mm. And and so one thing I've seen repeatedly on on the the content that Unbelievable produces, and with things like the Big Conversation, is um, you know you've had Bart Ehrman on. I can't even count how many times you know now. <laughs> um, and as you mentioned, Richard Dawkins is uh, at times has certainly been counted as one of the mm. most prolific atheist thinkers in the world. And they seem to like you, you know, they seem to mm. want to continue to come on. Um, you know, you've mentioned Ehrman used to have or still does have a, have a place in, there in London and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it says so much about you and the, and the people. I, I've had Andy Bannister on this show before, and um, he has a tremendous episode of your show with uh, Peter Singer. And um, which if somebody doesn't know the worldview behind Peter Singer that, in the utilitarianism, um, what, what shocked me most was when I talked to Andy, he said, you know, I would have liked to have gone out for a beer with Peter. Mm. Um, mm. And 
And so I think what maybe a generation is learning from the content that Unbelievable and Premier and, and just you personally are putting out, because I know you have a, a big TikTok following now as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you're, you're on all sorts of frontiers. But yeah, I think the idea that of winsomeness, but then also the long game, we're not, we don't have to win every argument to, mm-hmm. to win. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, I think a lot of people have learned that from what you've done. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I really do. And I, and I hope that you're, I hope that you're pleased with yourself because um, <laughs> I, really, I, I don't think it, I'm sure if you could look back 10 years, it would be hard to believe where you are now with unbelievable. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And it's all God's grace, really. Um, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I see myself as, as having, you know, I, I've tried to, to do what I think I can do and what, what, what I think God's gifted me to do. Um, and, uh, there's always been that temptation, you know, to turn unbelievable into something more like a kind of here are the arguments and, and just go away and, you know, do that. But I've always felt like, no, that, that, that this show started and should continue as a place where we, we genuinely have that kind of dialogue and, uh, and so on. And there's obviously a place for those, those yeah. other ki- kinds of kinds of resources. In fact, we've just launched um, a more kind of direct apologetic type podcast called unapologetic just recently yeah. where it's more a kind of one-to-one conversation with the andy bannisters and the mm-hmm. john lennoxes and uh, yeah. and and the lisa fields and so on but the but but with unbelievable you know at its core it, it is this kind of open-endedness to it and i think that's what's why it has actually built a genuinely diverse audience of both christians and non-christians who come and watch and listen because they know they're going to hear from both sides and you can only do that if if you're genuinely open to hearing from the other side you know it won't you know people can smell a sort of setup a gotcha or whatever from a mile off and you'll quickly as i say i don't think the reputation of the show would have come to the point where i could invite someone like a richard dawkins on or Mm -hmm. or whoever um and be confident that if they asked around that they would get genuinely yeah. positive responses about the show. And that only comes when, you, when you're doing a show where you, you're honestly, you know, being open to that, about building relationships, about, you know, having that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, Bart Ehrman's a great, great example of that. Um, you know, um, and Bart, you know, who knows what's going on exactly in Bart's mind, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and where he is on, on his journey. No, no one, even ourselves, you know, we, we don't always know exactly where, yeah. where we're at. All I know is um, whenever I've invited him on, he's been happy to come on. He's, he's a gracious guy. He's um, he, he, you know, he, he knows how to debate. He's a good debater yeah. and he, he knows how to, you know, um, you know, pull out good arguments and, and so on. And any Christian I bring on who's opposite him, they, they've got to be ready. They've got to be, mm-hmm. you know, for, for uh, you know, he's there to, to win the argument as it were. But at the same time, you know, he, he, he he's always been so, um, friendly and and you know willing to kind of actually have a laugh and you know mm-hmm. just just sort of and and even even with the bar airman it's interesting you know I, I read an article maybe uh getting on for a year ago now but even bar airman sometimes changes his mind on yeah. things there there was an interesting article where he talked about the fact that he had sort of had a bit of a a revelation of sorts where he, he'd come to, to to essentially realize that actually maybe there is a God because uh, essentially in, in a, in a nutshell, he he'd said, yeah. when I look at what I look, look like to an ant, you know, if there is a God, then my relationship to that God is, is something on a similar level. And, and he basically just said, and I think this, this, this you know, this was 
a very honest thing for him to say that that he he has to keep the door open to that that mm-hmm. that that there was a sort of sense part of him which was like I'm not going to shut the door on the idea that there's there's a god potentially there. Um, so so yeah, there's um, you know uh, I, I I all I'm trying to do at the end of the day is is try and have good conversations, honest conversations um, that represent yeah. what happens in the real world you know mm-hmm. and and that is that is the way it is with most people they that it's very rare that you ever have a one-hour conversation in which someone becomes a christian at the end of it if it does yeah, happen right. fantastic okay. yeah but it, it's rare mm-hmm. um and what you probably will have happen though is you'll you'll go down rabbit paths you'll sort of agree to disagree on some things you might find areas of commonality and hopefully you'll say, why don't we do this again, you know, yeah. in a week or two. Yeah. And that's, that's just what we've aimed to do on the show yeah. each week. Yeah. Well, and, and as I said, I think it is tremendous, but uh, you, you seg- you segue into something I think which is so important because you mentioned in the real world and at the end of the day, um, you know, what you do there in the premier studio or in an online conversation, I, I experience it the same way too, because I study, uh, religions and I study philosophies and and I put out content explaining those things and every once in a while I'll have someone message me or comment and say you know that's fine but I don't study I don't teach this at a university so that real world that you discuss um, I'm fascinated to know what your perspective of kind of what the state of spirituality is amongst maybe the watchers of unbelievable or those, you know, Mm -hmm. for instance, um, when I was in undergraduate studies here in the U S I, all I ever heard about was Richard Dawkins and the new atheists. And when I became a pastor, I, I sort of maybe was preconditioned to look up and down for an atheist or a materialist, as we might say. And I just never really found one. I never Mm -hmm. really found Mm -hmm. someone who was as materialist as Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris or Christopher Hitchens. And so, and those guys, of course, vary in their own worldviews as well. And I was led to believe more that, you know, the, the, the picture of religion and faith or disbelief that we see sometimes in, in even an unbelievable or in all things, all people is not always reflective of the mm. actual lived yeah. worldview or, or belief or disbelief of, of the average person, we should say. So, you know, you have a tremendous perspective because, you know, I know that you guys are seeing comments come in and in, in, in just like the conferences that you're doing and, and whatnot. So what would you say is, and, and, and it might be different, you know, because here in the United States, of course, we uh, were a little bit younger. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're maybe at a different place, but what have you seen from the populace mm. as far as, um, you know, what you think is actually happening amongst people yeah. spiritually? I, I, I would very much echo what you said, that um, I think the, the Dawkins and the New Atheists sort of, in a way, were a very helpful foil for yes. Christians and apologists because they represented a very solid kind of uh, uh, opponent. You know, yeah. it's very clear what yeah. they didn't believe. We knew in. what we were arguing against. Exactly, yeah. um, and and to some extent, it was a gift that Unbelievable mm-hmm. really was launched at the time when the new atheism was just taking off because it was a kind of a very obvious kind of um, issue and set of people to be interacting with and you knew exactly where you stood and you could have a really good debate on does god exist is science you know uh did jesus rise from the dead because because you know they had a very specific perspective on that um 
but the reality is exactly as you said i think the actual numbers of people who subscribe to a strictly materialist philosophy or or you know approach things in exactly the way that dawkins and bennett do is actually relatively small now yeah. you hear from them because you always hear from the extremes especially online so so it can give you a slightly inflated sense i think of how many there are out there because the noisiest people in on facebook are often when it comes mm -hmm. to atheism are you know the angry dogmatic atheists yeah. so so, so that's the problem. And, and if you end up doing a lot of interaction with them because they're the people getting on your timeline and arguing mm -hmm. with you online, you think, oh, there must be lots and lots of these people out there. But like you, in actual fact, when you sort of discount the extremes, when you go out into the normal world, mm -hmm. you know, let's remind ourselves that Twitter is not the normal world. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's just very diverse. Um, yeah. And most people are, are kind of somewhere in the middle. And a lot of people, frankly, don't even have a term for what they are. You know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, we, we live in this world. And so we can very mm -hmm. finely divide up your, your hard atheist from your agnostic, yeah. from your, you know, whatever. Um, most people, I, I just think, you know, haven't thought through it. And um, they may have some kind of antipathy towards religion, yeah. but they haven't they, ha they couldn't exactly say that it's some specifically intellectual objection or some very specific, you know, mm -hmm. it, it might be mixed up with a kind of an emotional objection, you know, and, yeah. and everything else. And it's only when you go and talk to someone that you'll find out actually what what their particular issue is. And I, I'm, 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 I'm constantly in that sense surprised when I get into conversations with people who aren't, as it were, professional atheists mm -hmm. or Christians, yeah. uh, that there's just a lot of you know sort of you know I, you know I, I talk to someone and I think oh well that wasn't the objection I was expecting to hear yeah, or right. you know it, it's kind of like people have all kinds of different interesting reasons for why that they are where they're at um and that's that's the fun thing um the problem is that the problem I always face when running an edition of Unbelievable is I've often been you know wanted to say look we can't always just feature the hardened atheist opposite you know yeah. the really you know mm -hmm. committed christian because that, that that doesn't represent reality all the time right but it's really hard to make a show out of someone who's kind of mm, i just don't <laughs> yeah. really know what i believe and mm -hmm. oh i'm i'm just sort of interested in it kind of it, it's a bit of a woolly difficult to put together conversation yeah. to present to people when it's but those are actually the conversations that tend to happen if you go down to the pub with someone if you're yeah. just talking, talking across the fence to your neighbor they're, they're, they're you know that they're, they're, they're not as kind of they're not taking very specific stands yeah. uh, on, on issues, if that makes sense. So, so to some extent, what I'm doing on the show is a little bit of a false dichotomy. It's, it's kind of, I, I'm purposefully choosing someone who stands there on that issue, mm -hmm. someone who stands there on that issue. And that sometimes contrast is the mother of clarity. And, and that'll help you as you go out and have those slightly more, not, you know, not as clear cut conversations, but at least you'll know, okay, here's an argument or a, perspective that i can reach for when i when i am engaging with that person but but yeah i mean to be honest i in terms of the actual audience and, and what the questions they're asking i think they have changed over the last several years and so while there were probably was a lot more people wanting responses to the new atheism and maybe more people in the new atheist camp say 10 yeah. years ago you know at the height of all of that um nowadays i think the conversation has shifted significantly in fact this is the subject of the book I'm currently working on, really, which is a sort of um, it, it's it's taking the conversation on from what was my unbelievable book kind of was making the case for faith, especially mm -hmm. in the light of, you know, the arguments of the new atheists. 
my new book that I'm working on at the moment is is really about the way the conversation has changed um, to to much more people asking how do we live in a post Christian culture. Yeah. Um, the new atheism, in a way, has kind of fizzled out a bit. You still get pockets of it on the internet, uh, mm-hmm. and you will bump into it, but it's not the kind of cultural force it once was. Um, Dawkins himself, you know, has sort of yeah, he, <laughs> spelt... he, he he waned a little bit even in the conversation with Francis. It seemed yeah, yeah, and 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 I think he's just aware that you know that that movement had its moment in yeah. the sun, and and is kind of you know been on the wane a bit since. What's happening now is these other very interesting conversations, still secular thinkers, but sort of much more open to mm-hmm. what religion might be able to offer who have not dismissed it as as Dawkins and yeah. Hitchens, Bennett and Code all did as just fairy tales and bad yeah. for you. Actually, you know, it's it's these interesting conversations with people like whether you love him or hate him, you know, Jordan Peterson, yeah. um, with people like Douglas Murray, with mm-hmm. people like Tom Holland, the historian I've had yeah. on the show several times. Um, uh, Ian McGilchrist, who's also features on this mm-hmm. season of the Big Conversation, um, very interesting sort of secular thinkers, essentially, but mm-hmm. who are are reconsidering the value of Christianity and asking, did did the new atheists sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater? Um, actually, um, we are meaning seeking creatures. Um, w- for thousands of years, the West has lived in the story of Christianity. Suddenly, just in the last hundred and fifty years or so. That story has started to be, you know, forgotten, replaced. We're still kind of living in the in the embers of it. But there's all these other stories that people are now living their life by. And and we're kind of seeing culture kind of really, you know, go to war with each other mm. because people can't agree on what what the common narrative is that should bind yeah. us. And and that that is where I think the conversation has moved less to kind of those traditional arguments about does God exist mm-hmm. to are sort of questions around well how are we going to you know get on with each other in the culture mm-hmm. today what what do we do about the fact that technology seems to be creating more problems than it solves a yeah. lot of the time uh how how you know what we um you know what, what how, how do we think about human value and purpose and that mm-hmm. kind of thing in a, in a culture where we're in basically being told in so many ways that your purpose and value is dependent on how many followers you have on instagram and that sort of thing uh so so there's all those sorts of questions that i think um these new secular thinkers are kind of tapping into mm-hmm. and uh and i think it's actually a really interesting time to be a christian because i still believe the answer is jesus yeah uh but it's 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 a it's a different kind of question that people are coming with Mm -hmm. and it's going to require a different kind of way of engaging with people because it's um you know it's we live in you know the world of social media and culture that exists now is different to the one i began unbelievable in and it was it it was kind of easier in a sense to have the conversations because they were more obvious the conversations now uh highly you're speaking to an already highly polarized divided culture Mm -hmm. where it's not obvious where an atheist or a christian may land on all kinds of different issues and so mm-hmm. you, you, you you're you're sort of you know but it, it's as i say it's 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 a different landscape but one in which i think yeah. we're having some really interesting conversations with precisely those people i've mentioned the the jordan petersons and douglas yeah. murrays and tom hollands and so on who who are kind of 
representing a, a sort of a new wave almost of, of secular thinkers, but who are reconsidering the value of, of religion in our culture. So, so that's, that's kind of where the conversations moved mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I, I completely um, resonate with everything you're saying, because to me, what I've observed in, in, in dealing exclusively with these broad stroke of, well, let's teach on this particular religion, is I found that, that at, the, at the practical level, it's not useless, but it can become a crutch that doesn't help you at all. Because really what I've experienced at the lay level is a, is a sort of spiritual agnosticism, is the rejection of meta-narratives. But, you know, I think Lifeway and Pew have all put out, and Barna and all of these survey organizations have put out all sorts of literature and research that says that most people still believe in some form of an afterlife or karma, or they believe in ghosts. And they believe that their pets are going to go to some sort of paradise. And, and, and so it's very practical. It's highly individualistic, as you said. Um, and what it necessitates for the Christian, not, not even the apologist, but just the Christian, is to, is to say, well, what, what does this person believe? Um, mm. And that can be frustrating for us. As I'm sure, you know, as you realize better than me, it's much easier to paint in broad strokes. But, um, but that's what I've tried to communicate to people. And, and I know you, you have as well is, you know, we know what Richard Dawkins believes because he's written four or five books that explain mm. it. And he's, he's the, the spokesperson for that movement. But the person at the pub or the person sitting next to you at work, they might not even really know what they believe. And so mm. As, mm. as an evangelist, as a, as a Christian, it might actually be your duty to help them understand what they even believe and humbly. And that's where I think uh, you, you've done such a good job of putting people uh, from the kingdom who do a good job, you know, who aren't going to just, you know, 15 second sound bites and, Oh, I, I've just yeah. embarrassed this atheist. Yeah, yeah. Look how great yeah. I am. Um, you know, you it, it, later on in the big conversation, it seems as if you're going to have uh, Michaela Peterson, you mentioned Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. um, who I'm sure, you know, most people know of, but his daughter now has become quite a popular speaker and writer in her own right. And she recently uh, it seems, I, I don't know the depths of it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation between her and John McRae. Um, but the, the focus is, especially on younger people, are millennials mm. and Gen mm. Z ready to believe in God? Um, mm. And uh, I just wonder, kind of stemming from this conversation, because what I've seen, I'm a millennial, and, I, and I'm routinely engaging with people who would be classified as Gen Z. And I see really a lot of spiritual confusion and a lot of mm. that... Um, that spiritual agnosticism of, well, what works for you, what we sometimes might call postmodernism. So what, what do you anticipate coming from that mm, conversation? Mm. Cause I think it's going to be uh, a live zoom call yeah. where people can register. Yeah. 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 This is one where, where, you know, any, anybody listening right now who would like to be part of the conversation, mm-hmm. yeah. this is a great opportunity. You can, we're doing this as a, as a free to attend webinar kind of style conversation. So you can be there, you can be asking questions. Um, uh, July 12th is, yes. is the date to put in your diary and and the big conversation dot show uh, you can find a link from there to to actually book into it but yeah I'm really looking forward to that one because um, this is where I think the conversation is um, because you know let's you know I, let's face it Michaela Peterson you know is not your your kind of PhD Francis sure. Collins Richard Dawkins kind of personality right. and you might think well those are the only persons you should be inviting to to something with the stature of the big conversation but actually no the big conversation is about actually just saying well, well who are the most influential voices out there yeah. who are are kind of you know 
saying important things into our culture. And I think in a way, Michaela Peterson is is sort of that. She's she's obviously got, you know, the famous father. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. But at the same time, she 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 does, I think, represent a really um, significant kind of demographic, which is exactly what you described, which is where, no, you know, they're not a full-blown atheist and mm-hmm. they've kind of opened to spirituality. And, and she's just recently, you know, has been talking about going on this journey towards something that looks, you know, like Orthodox Christianity. Now, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know the full story there and hopefully we'll hear more of it when, right. we, when we do the conversation with her. But, but I get the sense that she has been seeing among her peers a kind of a search for meaning and purpose um, that hasn't gone away. And, and I think she has kind of rolled her eyes along with many others, as I said, at the new atheism, which has kind of grown old and, and um, didn't, didn't kind of speak for her in a way. Um, and, and what's interesting is I think there's, there's this kind of openness because um, I think a lot of people of that generation, especially Gen Z, in my view, are kind of experiencing a kind of identity crisis at the mm-hmm. moment because precisely because all of that those narratives that the narrative that basically shaped us the, the judeo-christian story has kind of basically been been put aside now mm-hmm. and all these other narratives are coming in yeah. in place of it narrative you know ideologies that often have a kind of semi-religious flavor let's be honest um where people get as invested in them as as you know any kind of dogmatic religious person does whether it be LGBT, race, gender, whatever, you know, I'm not, and I'm not sort of saying anything against any of those things. It's just that they do take on a very specifically kind of quasi-religious almost nature right. sometimes to, yeah. to, to the way those conversations are had. And, um, and I think what's interesting to me is that um, the problem is that people, I think people have lost contact with the source, if you like, that the thing mm-hmm. that makes sense of all, Yes. All, all the the, the, the sub stories you know is there an overarching story or are we all just basically making it up you know deciding what themes best for us and then kind of going with it um and I, and i get the feeling you you get to a point where when it when culture when the stories that people are trying to make sense of life aren't working for long enough and things keep going down down and down and downhill at some point um you get to a tipping point where people are, are basically ready to ask, well, maybe, maybe there's something in this Christian story after yeah. all, maybe, maybe there's, you know, and, and I just wonder if, you know, someone like Michaela Peterson, who said, oh, actually, I, I've started praying and I started mm. reading the Bible and yeah. you know what, it seems to be working. Something sort of clicked. Um, mm-hmm. I just wonder whether that's the first signs. And, and again, I'm not saying that Jordan Peterson is, you know the next messiah or anything but he he seems (laughs) to be tapping into something in a in again a similar kind of generation all these young men flocking to hear what he's saying um that seems to be um kind of scratching at a kind of spiritual itch Mm -hmm. and and he's obviously been putting that together with the bible stories with you know he seems to have this fascination with the person of jesus and and you just wonder, maybe we're approaching a tipping point where suddenly, you know, it's not so uncool to, to yeah, kind of be a Christian. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe you have to go through that process where you kind of, uh, you kind of shed enough baggage from mm-hmm. kind of Christendom and Christian culture yeah. for a new generation to come along who, who can actually approach it almost with a completely fresh set of eyes and, and rediscover it almost for the first time rather than a kind of inherited 
version from mm-hmm. from their parents or grandparents yeah so so i i just wonder whether we're uh, you know approaching some kind of a tipping point where people are starting to reevaluate this and where maybe you know gen z is is ready who knows to to, to start to consider god again so that's that's the nature of the conversation we'll be mm-hmm. having um and i i think both of those people john mccray who runs what are you meme and has kind yeah. of been kind of the interesting analysis of you know contemporary trends and atheism and everything else uh, you know in, in conversation with someone like michaela peterson who who feels like you know she she, she has her ear to the ground with you know uh, her generation as well and where they're coming from i, I just think it'll be a really interesting exploration of those issues i, I agree and i think you know you're on to something we we can't Peter Williams and Andy Bannister and Justin Brierley and Jeremy Jenkins are not, we're not always the best barometers of what's happening in, in mm-hmm. Christendom or in culture. Um, and so in some ways, I'm sure every once in a while you get somebody who's upset with the people you platform um, and Jordan Peterson and Michaela Peterson, I'm sure have gotten you uh, quite <laughs> a few um, emails directed, you know, why are you doing this? And, you know, but at the end of the day, um, I think if we listen to these people, we might actually better understand where we've missed the mark, um, maybe where we've done well. And, and, and at the end of the day, um, you know, what, what is it about our message that is appealing to this younger generation? Because it certainly is. And, and like you said, there is a groundswell um, amongst that middle ground between the new atheists or at this point, mm-hmm. the old atheists and, and us. And, um, and so, so yeah, I, I think there's huge value in giving them that voice and that platform and listening well. Um, and, and obviously you've done that now for a, a decade and, and some change. And so, um, so no, so for those who, those who are listening, um, the big conversation is in the midst of going on. Obviously you've heard of a number of episodes. There's, there's going to be quite a few more. Um, make sure to go check out the Unbelievable website and uh, all of the various social media mediums that Justin and Unbelievable and Premier are involved in um, and go back. Uh, honestly, you know, you mentioned the COVID, how, uh, it has been nice, the accessibility of people who are being able to do what we do. Uh, I've been astounded at the prolific nature of the number of episodes you guys have put out in the last two years of people <laughs> doing just like what we're doing. And so um, so I hope listeners will go check that out because it's an amazing resource of some names that you know already and some that you that you should have known. And so Justin, uh, as usual, any chance I get to tell you this, I think you're, you're a tremendous blessing to the kingdom there in the UK, here in the US and all around the world and everything you do with uh, Premier just is uh, a wonderful asset for the rest of us oh, who are on the outside and so you're very uh, very kind Jeremy thank you it, it, I mean uh, I'm I'm as I say I'm just blessed that that people have you know for well 15 16 years now yeah. been, you know, been been able to listen and take something from the show uh we don't seem to be running out of ideas which is good and mm-hmm. uh, the, the conversation's always changing yeah. and there's always interesting new people to bring into them so uh, so yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll keep i'll keep putting it out as, as long as there are people who want to listen to it well, wonderful well we'll do everything we can on this side to uh continue to promote it so thank you justin it, it was a tremendous blessing god bless you jeremy thanks for having me on